Chapter 46 of The Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. The Arrest of Leone. While the entertainment was at its height, we were surprised by one of the guards informing us that a messenger had arrived from the fortress at Egyptosis, bearing for me a dispatch of the utmost importance from the high priest Hushnoli. We were all excitement at the news, and on opening the dispatch I read as follows. To His Excellency Lexington White, Lord Admiral of Atvatabar, greeting. Your glorious victory over the royal fleet has awakened popular excitement in favour of deposing His Majesty King Almeri Bulmakar and establishing our late beloved goddess Leone on the throne as Queen of Atvatabar. Egyplosis has openly espoused the cause of Leone and the sacred college of priests and priestesses have taken up arms in favour of the goddess. His Majesty, being resolved to stamp out rebellion at any cost, has caused the arrest of Leone at her palace, Tanjay, and has confined her in the fortress Kalnagur as hostage for the good behaviour of the people. He has threatened to put Leone to death in case her followers attempt any hostile demonstrations against the king's authority. We of Egyplosis are committed to the cause of Her Majesty Leone, Queen of Atvatabar. Hushnoli. This was most alarming news. While we had been feasting in inglorious ease, our queen had been arrested and imprisoned. The time for action had come. Ere we could deliberate on the best course to pursue, a second message from Hushnoli arrived, stating that the king, hearing of the outbreak in Egyptosis, had ordered Coltonbury, the commander-in-chief, to proceed with his wayleels to Egyptosis to capture Hushnoli and disband his followers. This being an open declaration of war had precipitated a civil struggle, and the armies of both the king and queen were being recruited with great excitement on both sides. As for Kioram, that city had declared for our cause, and the governor was overjoyed to know that the victory of the polar king had resulted in the entire fleet espousing the cause of Leone. I questioned Governor Laldemir on the strength and equipment of both the king's forces and those willing to support Leone, and the probabilities of our cause being successful. He informed me that the king already commanded an army of half a million men, composed two-thirds of Waleels and one-third Bokakids, or flying cavalry, armed with swords, shields and spears of deadly power. The adherents of Leone numbered already 100,000 men, who had also proclaimed her Queen of Atvatabar, including 5,000 Amazons from Egyplosis, who would fight for their late goddess to the death, all similarly armed. "'The future is doubtful,' said the governor, "'but with your aid we may well hope for success.' I congratulate you on your splendid victory, which is already known throughout the kingdom, and will increase our forces to 250,000 men. It will cheer the heart of the late goddess to know that she already possesses a powerful fleet. Do you consider the queen in any immediate danger at the hands of the king or government, I inquired? Well, said the governor, at the present stage of affairs, it is difficult to think that either king or Borodomy would dare to execute her majesty, even though it might be according to law, Yet, if alarmed at the partial destruction and defection of the fleet and the growing power of the Queen's followers, the bloodthirsty king and frightened government might possibly execute her, especially if they saw no hope for themselves in the coming struggle. Then, said I, whether we fight or not, our Queen is in very serious danger of death. That is what I most fear, said the Governor. As soon as I heard of the imprisonment of Her Majesty, I called a review of my garrison of Waleels and Bokakids, and asked them if they would espouse the cause of the Queen, and to a man they swore allegiance thereto. I conceive the only way to secure respect for the Queen is to make her followers as formidable as possible. Action, I added, is imperative. We must strike the King's army a fearful blow to impress His Majesty with respect for our power. The Queen must either be released by the King, or we will release her ourselves. There must be an immediate mobilisation of the Queen's army, 
and, preceding that, a council of war in the fortress of Kioram to appoint a commander-in-chief and generals of division. Governor Laldemir, I continued, I thank you in the name of Leone for your allegiance. It is very gratifying to the fleet to know that it is spared the necessity of bombarding your beautiful city. We have pledged ourselves to support our queen, to whom be freedom and victory, said the governor. Aye, aye, said the captains, Pra and Notothebeck. The fleet, of course, will assist in defending the city, I said, and in addition to this duty will furnish a brigade of 30,000 wing jackets for active service in the interior. Now, in view of this, how many men can you spare from the garrison? The governor replied that he could spare 10,000 Waleels under the command of Pra and 5,000 Bokakids under the command of Notothebeck. I ordered Astronomer Starbottle, with Flathootley as escort, to depart at once for Egyplosis, and summoned to Kioram High Priest Hushnoli and the High Priestess, Grand Sorcerer Charka and the Grand Sorceress, together with such a retinue of trusty officers as would be worthy of being made commanders in the upcoming struggle. After summoning Egyplosis, they were both to go to Nephisthasia and summon Yomul, Lord of Art, with his trusty captains, also to Kioram, and return hither without delay. Choose each of you, I said, a pair of the strongest wings, and arm yourselves with the revolvers. You must at all hazards evade the enemy and carry out your mission with the greatest possible speed. Astronomer Starbottle and Flathootley were enthusiastic at being allowed to undertake so adventurous a journey. They immediately began to prepare for an early departure. Might I inquire, said the governor, what you mean by revolvers? We showed him the weapons by which we had resisted the onslaught of myriads of wing jackets, to the fatal force of which thousands had succumbed. He was astonished at the invention, and said if the army of the Queen were equipped with so formidable a weapon, King Almeri Bulmaka would very easily be driven from his throne, and Leone would truly be Queen of Atvatbar. It was decided that the fortress of Kioram should be immediately turned into an arsenal for the manufacture of spears and revolvers, for the use of the Waleels and Bokakids of Leone's army. The mines where the metal Terellium was worked, and the factories where Aquellium was elaborated from the water of the ocean were to be seized, and vast quantities of these metals sent to Kioram for the use of the entire army, to furnish a current for the deadly spears, to be made under the superintendence of Professor Rackiron. Astronomer Starbottle and the redoubtable Flathootley were equipped with splendid sets of wings worked by cells of double power. Their magnet spears were far-reaching and carried a current of tremendous intensity, contact with which was immediate death. Pijabas, said Flathootley, the fellow that touches us will find us harnets of the first magnitude, We'll give him a touch of Calaramorbus. I entrust the dispatches in your hand, astronomer, said I, and with Flathootley as escort and bodyguard, I hope you will both execute your mission and return safe to Kioram. Caution and dispatch will be our watchwords, said the astronomer, and you are assured of our fidelity. In addition to your duty as couriers to Egyplosis and Naphisthasia, I desire you, I said, to explore the upper atmosphere with a view of discovering at what height centrifugal gravity ceases to operate on bodies, and, if possible, where gravity towards Swang begins to exert its force. I wish to choose an aerial battlefield where there is no gravity, so that our whaleels may have absolute freedom of action. We have discovered a perceptible movement towards the sun at a height of fifty miles, said the governor. At that height, our whaleels cease to revolve with the earth, and therefore have no weight. But your astronomer can easily verify this fact by his own experience. Do you think our couriers will receive opposition from the king's whaleels? I inquired. I would suggest their being disguised as the king's whaleels as a means of safety. If they travel as whaleels of Her Majesty, they are liable to be captured. The astronomer and Flathootley made the necessary disguise in their attire as a measure of safety, each donning a leather cuirass, highly decorated with white metal helmet and boots, 
and packing a sufficient quantity of food in a portable trunk to supply them during the journey. They bade us goodbye, soaring from the deck into the gulfs of the air above Atvatbar, and directed their flight to Egyptosis. End of chapter 46